Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or to her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. There are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you listen to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community and I would love to get to know you. So let's get on to the main content. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Farmer Podcast. I am very excited to bring on Jeffrey Rediger. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Awesome. <laughs> Sometimes I mess up names. I'm excited because I heard him on a different podcast and I was listening to him. I was like, this guy needs to be on the show. He wrote a book that's just awesome. Um, it's called Cured. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, we'll talk about that book in this conversation, among other things. But before we get into the main part of the conversation, I want Jeffrey just to just to let you present yourself to the to my listeners and, and let them know you just a little bit more in that windy path of life of how you got to where you are today. So I'll give you a couple of minutes and just let you present yourself to my listeners. Well, it's so nice to be here and meet you. And I I love doing podcasts where I can spread the word about this really important way of understanding how we can take charge of our health and well-being. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. I'm medical director at a branch of McLean Hospital in Boston. I'm on the faculty at Harvard Medical School and have been here for nearly 20 years now. Um, I uh, also have a Master of Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary in Theology and Philosophy of Science. And so I've been uh, interested in these kinds of issues for a long time. I uh, have been to South America many times. Uh, this research actually started in Brazil, and um, I've been to uh, Brazil and Colombia uh, a number of times, and uh, South America has a real special place in my heart, and uh, there's a lot we can learn from the wonderful people and ways of doing things there. Um, I can begin, if you want, by telling you a little bit how this research got started, and I'll tell you a little bit more about myself as well. I come from a very rural background originally. Uh, my father was Amish. My grandfather was a blacksmith in the Amish tradition. My family, I don't know all the details. Uh, it's difficult to uh, figure some of this out, but we left the Amish area when I was two years old, and my parents left outwardly, but not so much inwardly. And so I grew up in a very different culture than the kids I was going to school with. I was in public school during the day, uh, studying science and math and that sort of thing. But at home was in a home uh, where TV and radio were very suspect, thought to be dangerous influences, um, wore a lot of store-bought clothing. Uh, one of the good things is that uh, my parents, uh, you know, they grew uh, some of the food that we ate, uh, stone ground wheat and that sort of thing, and ground their own wheat flour, and those kinds of things were very healthy, I think. Um, and 
and but growing up in such a conservative environment at home was confusing uh, given how different the culture was in school during the day. And so that very early started me on this quest to figure out what's true and to figure out how to resolve these discrepancies about uh, deep beliefs about who we are as human beings. I left all of that, went to college, was uh, somewhat of a rebel, and then had so many questions that that eventually took me to seminary at Princeton. I continued to ask these deep questions about the nature of uh, who we are as human beings. Are we good? Are we evil? Uh, along the way, I became convinced that science is actually a fabulous, uh, though imperfect tool, but it's a, a really good tool for investigation and not the tool of the devil that I was taught um, with all the teaching about evolution. <laughs> so I went to a medical school after seminary and then residency in psychiatry and continued to go deep into these questions. In 2002, an oncology nurse at Mass General came to me and said that she had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and asked for my help uh, explaining this to her son. And I did that, but then she took off for a healing center in Brazil and, uh, and started writing and calling me saying that she was seeing some amazing healings and hoped I would look into it. And I said, no, I was a new young medical director and faculty uh, member and uh, thought that most of these uh, stories could probably be explained on the basis of what I've been taught as a physician. But Nicola was stubborn, and I'm very grateful that she was in retrospect. Uh, she began calling uh, other people around the country, and these people began uh, sending me their medical files and telling me their stories in these long written or typed uh, notes and, and, and asking if I wanted to know more. And initially, I continued to say no, saying uh, that I didn't have time for this, and I thought that uh, their stories could probably be explained and on the basis of being a really good responder to chemotherapy, et cetera. But I eventually began to see that some of the files they were sending couldn't be explained on the basis of uh, traditional medical science. And the long and short of it is I began then to uh, set up research criteria and I began to study these individuals. And that's 19 years ago now, and it's changed my life personally and professionally to begin exploring how these got how these people got better in uh, in situations that we didn't think it had, would have been possible. So that's that's the short story for all this. Wow, and it's, it's the the whole story is beautiful because even as a kid, you were brought up in certain ways that was we could say proper. I mean, yeah ground wheat with stone i mean things that were done before that was nutritious and now today we see we see wheat ground on steel rollers and processed to the point of not being right. nutritious at all and so you you had some of that you had some of that upbringing that helped you and and then and then as you continue to learn and learn you, see, you came to see that it's not just science there's actually some other things that might be involved with us healing correct Oh, absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> so you always say, oh, excuse me. No, no, no. Good. That's good. So you, you, so to physically heal, you say you first, I was reading, it's first um, our diet and our immune systems, correct? Yes. And those are big factors. Now, perhaps, especially in the United States, we have a lot of misconceptions about nutrition, for example. 
there's a lot of misinformation. And unfortunately, as doctors, we, we also have a lot of misinformation. I think the trifecta of industry and industry paying academics to sign off on certain results or uh, to get certain results in studies and how that interacts with the lobbyists who then recommend certain uh, regulations to the government. That trifecta um, is not just pure science. There's also a business aspect to it. And that creates a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of misinformation about nutrition, unfortunately. And that's a very big subject. Uh, but unfortunately, doctors don't get good information about nutrition. And a lot of times nutritionists don't either because of this trifecta. And so it has taken me years of listening to these people with remarkable recoveries and to pay attention to what they did with their nutrition and what role that played to begin straightening out a lot of the confusion in my mind. It's fascinating. I can remember where I was sitting in medical school when our, uh, our professor said that the problem in the United States is not a problem of malnutrition. It's a problem of overnutrition. And that's why obesity is such a problem. People are getting too many nutrients and eating too much. And that's the problem. Well, it, these people with remarkable recoveries taught me something that's completely opposite of that. And I've learned over time that we do suffer in, uh, in the Western countries, both North America and South America from malnutrition. And what happens is, when our bodies don't get the vitamins and the minerals and the phytochemicals that our bodies need, the hunger mechanism is triggered and we are hungry because our body is looking for the vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals it's not getting. And so, and so the, we eat a lot of empty calories in, in North America and, and to some degree, at least in South America. And that's creating a lot of uh, obesity and a lot of illnesses. And, and so the problem is malnutrition. When you're in medical school, you memorize all of these biochemical and neurochemical pathways, and you start to realize that these reactions cannot go to completion if the vitamins and minerals are not there to help catalyze those reactions correctly. Well, so that makes a lot of sense. But then in practical terms, we're taught the opposite of that. And then every time you walk into the hospital or into the nurse's station or the doctor's um, lounge, there's cupcakes and uh, pizza and cookies and things that are just tons of empty calories that create all kinds of problems. And so, and so in reforming my own nutrition, as these individuals taught me these lessons, and I should say I was a very slow learner, uh, but as I did learn these lessons, I, I saw 40 pounds melt off of my own body without doing anything different, but just changing the quality of the food I was eating and making sure I got proper nutrients. And so that's one thing that's very important. Um, I think it's also important to talk about what are the practical steps that people need to take with their nutrition. And, and I've learned that the refined flours that are in most of our breads, in most of our muffins and in our, um, in our pastas, those are mostly empty calories. And so eating those increases your hunger mechanisms and um, is associated with all kinds of obesity and disease states. And so I recommend that people 
cut down on the refined flours and also cut down on sugar. Over 100 years ago, the average person ate five pounds of sugar a year. No big deal. The body could handle that. But now the average American, at least, consumes over 150 pounds of sugar a year. And that's a massive increase and in our bodies are not designed to handle that kind of load. And, and I can also talk about how sugar creates these little cuts inside of our uh, veins, inside of our arteries, especially, and how the repeated efforts of the immune system to heal those little cuts create scabs on top of, on top of scabs. And that eventually becomes atherosclerosis, which is a narrowing of the arteries and that's associated with a lot of heart disease and high blood pressure and strokes and that sort of thing. And oh, so yeah. that's chronic inflammation. And so that chronic inflammation creates so many problems um, in, in, in regards to both physical and mental illnesses. That just, that brings a, just you might talk, brings up three things. I remember my son, he was in the hospital for a little while. And yeah. I remember, I remember the food that were, that was left for the, for the parents and i mean we we basically lived in the hospital for a while it, you, yeah. it was it was a very tough moment in my life actually and uh yeah, but, I, but i remember what was what was available for us to eat were donuts right donuts. <laughs> that's that's what was available to eat that's what they, they brought they brought donuts and had and then boxes of donuts there for for the for the adults that were coming to see their kids that were in the hospital at that time you know and and we see how these empty calories are what was causing it it also made me think about i remember looking at pictures from the 70s and then pictures today yes and they, in the diff, and we're talking about just what 40 years, 40, yeah. 50, 50 years difference, and the difference in, in physique from the 70s into what it is today. And I remember I was reading in 1974 is when the food pyramid came out, and that's where at the very bottom it says, Eat tons of grains. And that's where, I mean, in the last 50 years, that's what we're seeing. Yeah, but something is, yeah. And something also really interesting is I just talked to a patient about that today about what you're that you were just talking about, how, how high cholesterol really it and it causing all that problems with atherosclerosis it's not it's not the cholesterol that's yeah, right it's the sugars yeah. causing those micro traumas and then the body's trying to heal it and then the cholesterol gets stuck in that healing and that's why they blame yes. it all on cholesterol and, yep. I, and i think that's and if you can actually go in a little deeper with that that would be beautiful so my listeners can actually hear about that but because that's such an important point because people think cholesterol is such a terrible thing but it's not yeah. the cholesterol. It's 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 the refined sugars that we're eat, eating that's causing this the micro traumas and the micro stresses that the that the body has to try to fix. It's causing that that chronic inflammation. And, and it's so important that we learn that because just yeah. like that, just like that patient of mine today. But but if she eats more meat, that's going to cause problems in her arteries, right? You're like, no, it's a myth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a problem because you're right. Cholesterol is not the problem. It's the chronic inflammation that's created by the sugar and the refined flours and the sugar industry consciously um, diverted the attention onto fat, saying that fat's the problem, you need to eat low fat, and that that is what will keep your cholesterol down and, um, and create health. But that was the sugar industry driving these distorted research studies to make that happen because they wanted to divert attention away from the harm that sugar was doing. And so there was a conscious, it's kind of like the smoking industry, doing this research that is deceptive and getting people to focus elsewhere when they knew that sugar was creating problems. And so that's a very deep hole in itself. And it's just tragic that for 40 years, the, the emphasis was on low fat 
instead of cutting down on sugar and refined flours. And during that time, while the focus is on low fat, obesity was skyrocketing, chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune illness, these were skyrocketing to a significant degree because of that diverted focus. And so that's just tragic. Ah, and so what are other, what, what do you actually recommend for nutrition wise then? I'd like to, I'd like to hear what your recommendations are. Yeah. And so there's no, there's no one diet that is one size fits all. I purposely tell stories been cured of different approaches to nutrition that really worked. We all come from different parts of the world. We have different ancestors. We have different microbiomes that have adjusted to uh, different kinds of diets. But I do tell people the most important things are, for the most part, eliminate processed foods, sugars and refined flours from your diet. And I do tell people, um, I mean, I think we can talk about the keto diet, that's complicated. And we don't have the long term research um, on that yet. Because it's absolutely true that people with a keto diet, they cut down sharply on sugar and refined flours, and that improves their health in the short run. But we don't know long term how animal products do. There is some really good research that says that and that animal products are associated with an inflammatory response too. And so eating vegetables with animal products compensates for that uh, inflammatory response. But many people eat uh, animal products without adequate vegetables. And so they get the inflammatory response with nothing to offset that. So that's a, that creates a complicated thing too. I myself have, will eat some meat if I go out with friends, for example, but for the most part, I'm completely plant-based and I've seen my health and well-being skyrocket because of that. Um, that's, a, that's a complicated subject in itself too. It, it, so. I, and I believe it is too. It's complicated, as you said before, because we all come from different backgrounds. Right, our, exactly. ancestors, our ancestors, I mean, and that's what I always tell my patients too, is like, I tell them like, well, learn who your ancestors were. And eat like, right. eat like they did. Yeah. And I imagine you're going to be pretty, you're going to be pretty well off if you eat like your ancestors. And it's funny how you talk about the plant-based and I'm, I'm actually moving a little bit more animal-based. I mean, and I was hugely plant-based before because I love to garden. I mean, if you go to yeah. my Instagram, it's full of gardens and I yes. love to garden. And that's, and I mean, so, but I, but I, I garden, not just for the, the, the food I garden for all the other benefits it brings. So it's not like I'm going to stop gardening, but, and I right. still eat it, but but yeah, right. I, I've, as, as I, as I, as I continue to, to develop and, and, and who I am, I, it's kind of moving the opposite way, but I love gardening too much. So I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really big, and I, I mean, the gardening is, is beautiful and so important, you know, meats complicated, right? Because there's a big difference in quality of animal products. So for example, if a person eats pasture raised beef, that has a lot more omega-3s in it, which is the healthy kind of fat, instead of the harmful omega-6s. And so corn-fed beef tends to have the omega-6s, which are hard on your heart. And the if it's grass-fed, it's a lot healthier. And so that's one way to vastly improve one's um, nutritional content and the quality of the meat. Um, so yes, it's, it's, and there are certainly people who need to have some meat, at least at certain times of their lives. I, I have a, uh, a, a nephew who started, who is, he was raised completely plant-based and at age 13 in puberty, he started having seizures. And I, I told his parents, 
he's not getting enough protein. You need to put him on a healthy amount of protein and fat. And so they put him on a little bit of meat every day and the seizure stopped. So at least during adolescence, um, and, and there are people who need meat too. And so we have to really look at the individual and the developmental life cycle they're in. There's certainly a lot of women too, who need a little bit of meat just to deal with the need for iron when they have their menstruation. Um, and so, so again, it's looking at each individual and what they need rather than a one size fits all diet. Oh yeah. That's what I mean. And so you can give them some pointers, but then they have to tweak that because everyone's individual. Everyone is individual. It's like, this is what I'm going to recommend, but they go and they learn who they are and then they can understand what they can tolerate, what they don't tolerate. And then, and then it just, but yeah, we, it's, I love how you say that, that we, it's, it's, you can't just tell somebody eat this and you'll be fine. No, it's every, every, every person's going to tweak it to a point where, well, hopefully they take the responsibility to tweak it to the point where it's actually helping them to reach their potential and what is their health for sure. That's right. And, yeah. and, and well, moving on to, I, I would even say maybe not most more important, but maybe more important in today's society is immune immune system, the importance yeah. of understanding the immune system and what it actually is and what it's supposed to do for us. And, 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 and the relation with virus and bacteria with our immune system. Can we talk about that just a little bit? I mean, I know we're going yeah. long, but I would love to talk about that a little bit too. Oh, that's such an important topic, especially in these days of COVID, right? And there's a lot of misunderstanding by our experts around this because we have spent decades in traditional medicine, especially in the United States, of uh, suppressing the immune system. When a person has cancer, we give them uh, chemosuppressants. When a person has a fever, we give them an antipyretic like Tylenol to bring the fever down, for example. And, and we're learning now, and there's been 30 years of really good research to show that when we can activate the immune system and when we can know how to heal our immune system, we end up with a really different um, a possibility around health. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a, there's, when you go back in history and look at the germ theory, um, you know, with Louis Pasteur proved uh, that bacteria exist. Um, and that was a real important step forward in medicine over 100 years ago. And that was important. But there was a huge debate at, at that time between Louis Pasteur and several other scholars. And they argued for a really different understanding of germ theory than Louis Pasteur did. And unfortunately, Louis Pasteur won uh, that argument, but then on his deathbed recanted that. And that's been confirmed by his son-in-law through good evidence. So let me tell you that story a little bit. So Claude Bernard, for example, and a few others said to uh, Louis Pasteur, no, it's not true that germs cause disease. It's not that simple. They said that germs can only invade a body that's already decayed or vulnerable in some form. And so the argument was uh, that if you know how to create a strong body, what we now call the microbiome, if you know how to create a strong, healthy microbiome in your gut, that you will not be susceptible to disease in the same way. And they, they, the analogy is, 
if you have a pile of trash sitting on the floor in your kitchen, is it better to keep waving the flies away or is it better to remove the trash? And they said, that's, that's the issue here. Is it better to heal your immune system so that you can not be susceptible in the same way to viruses like COVID or bacteria or other pathogens, or is it better to just try to eliminate the germs? Now, we know that 24 hours a day, our bodies inside and out are, we're surrounded by millions of microbes and pathogens, whether that's bacteria or viruses, et cetera. And we know that we only become susceptible to becoming ill when something in our body breaks down and those pathogens, whether it's a virus or bacteria, then gain entrance into your body. So for example, one of these uh, 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 individuals who is going back and forth with uh, Louis Pasteur in this argument, he took a glass of cholera and you all have heard probably of the choleric plague that killed so many people. And he took this glass of cholera, drank it in front of his students. And he said, I know how to take care of my health and my inner terrain, what we now call the microbiome, and I'm not going to get ill. Well, he didn't get ill. And because he knew how to create a strong immune system. Well, on but it was a much simpler theory that Louis Pasteur was talking about. And so, and that was also associated with the rise of the efforts to create antibiotics, the effort to create a medication to take for things. And so we ended up going down the path of Louis Pasteur, but Louis Pasteur himself on his deathbed said, you're right. The inner terrain is everything. The bacteria is nothing or the pathogen is nothing. And so he understood on his deathbed, the true situation, which is more complicated, which is you have to create a healthy immune system. So you're not susceptible to bacteria and viruses. And so what I would like to see is our culture return to a more balanced understanding of germ theory so that yes, we use medications when they're needed, but we don't think they're the only solution. We also understand that we have to create a strong immune system because that's a, a lot more powerful way to be healthy. So that's one part of answering this. And we can go on to talk about uh, more aspects of that in a moment, if you like. Oh, and that's what I'd, I'd love to. I mean, just to, I remember, I mean, I'm one of those people that doesn't get sick often. And, right. I, and, and I always bring it back to the time where I was a kid and I was outside playing in the dirt. I was, yeah. I was surrounded by trillions of bacteria and, tr and trillions of virus at all times. And yeah. they were, and they were strengthening my immune system they were yep. strengthening my immune system to a point where it doesn't matter what comes after me i got cells i got defensive cells that'll say no you're not allowed here and they'll take them out just like that guy that drank that cholera back then he's like he's got enough he's got enough immune uh, enough of a defense where okay i don't want you here so we're going to get rid of you and, yeah. and, and 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 i see how that is as we can continue to return to nature that's what that's what i try to focus like return to nature get out there and and experience what nature has that's one of probably one of the best ways to help fortify what is our immune system but yeah, yeah. i'd like to i'd like to continue i would like to continue talking about this and hear and hear your perspective and, and how how we can better improve our immune strength and and be able to naturally fight off these 
these micro it's not fight off live with them uh because we have to live with them they're not going anywhere i mean what we have to do is learn to live with them and not not try to sterilize our our environments and not and just get rid of them because that's that's impossible i've always told people like i mean as soon as we go to war with bacteria and virus we're going to war with ourselves because they're they're they're, they're, they're what keep us alive yeah it's such an important point Growing up on a farm, I was around dirt and microbes and bacteria all the time. And I also think that that's what helped give me in part such a strong immune system. Now, I I used to get sick with colds once in a while and that sort of thing. But now that I've learned from these people with such remarkable recoveries, that doesn't even seem to happen anymore. So I've definitely experienced an improvement in my immune system. But you're right. I think being exposed to pathogens in a way that our body can benefit and become stronger in terms of the immune system is critical. Uh, and it's it's so tragic that that in a time of COVID that we are putting all of our um, our tools into the coming from the toolbox of masking and social distancing and quarantining when the really powerful tools we're not even activating. We're not helping people heal their immune systems. And that's the way to really beat this and to not have the social or economic costs associated with this. So it's, it's really hard to get a voice on this in the medical community, but 30 years of research shows this is robustly true. It's just a different way of thinking and we're just not there yet. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, they're using techniques that, that are actually decreasing the strength of our immune system. Absolutely I mean, true. Trying to lock us into places or trying to ha- have us use masks. I mean, that, that, that only weakens our immune system. Because like you said, we need to be involved with the ecosystem. We need to be part of the ecosystem. As soon as we try to take ourselves out of it, we just become yeah. weaker and weaker and weaker. Yeah, it's a real problem. What, so what do you recommend? What are some of the recommendations for to help increase or, or strengthen the immune system? Well, and so one, one topic that we've already discussed a little bit is nutrition. That's a mm-hmm. really important way for strengthening the immune system. It's also important to deal with one's stress response. And I, I get uncomfortable when people talk about decreasing stress, because the truth is, Sometimes you can't do that. And there is also really good, healthy kinds of stress too. running a marathon, for example, can be healthy stress if it helps you reach into your higher self and strengthen your system. And that's fabulous. So what is what's toxic stress? Toxic stress is finishing work every day, depleted, run down, not knowing your value and worth. If that happens every day or regularly, that's going to suppress your immune system. Um, if you're in a relationship that is constantly associated with feeling like you don't have value, or if you're in an abusive relationship, uh, either some kind of physical or emotional or sexual abuse, that also is going to suppress your immune system. And we know that uh, stress that is toxic suppresses the immune system and makes people much more vulnerable to all kinds of illnesses. You know, most of the diseases that people suffer from and all the major killers like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune illness, lung disease, these are diseases of chronic inflammation. And so even though we give them these diagnoses of diabetes and heart disease, it's not the diabetes or the heart disease or the cancer or the autoimmune illness that's the main problem here. 
What's the problem is the chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation is what is creating these illnesses. And, it's, and if, if your pancreas comes, uh, ends up with diabetes or if you end up with heart disease, it's just a matter of time until the chronic inflammation throughout your body causes you to have another diagnosis. And so it's the chronic inflammation that is the problem. And since doctors specialize in body parts, we've been very slow to understand that it's chronic inflammation in the body that's the problem. It's not the diabetes or the heart disease. And if you want to reverse chronic inflammation in your body, then there's things you need to do to adopt an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And that's based upon nutrition. It's based upon um, changing your relationship with stress or eliminating toxic stress and also has to do with uh, healing one's identity and beliefs, which is a topic we haven't gotten into yet, but that's that's a massive topic. And I would actually, I mean, I think that would be kind of take some, a little bit of time and hopefully we don't, we don't but talk about how we do that. I mean, because, and that's another major issue today. And it's, it's a lot worse now since we've been this, we've been in this situation for the last 19 months. I mean, yeah. we see, we see the mental health of the world going way downhill and, yeah. and yeah, that's a major factor with, uh, to, to chronic inflammation. I mean, if we can't, yeah. if we can't find that purpose, if we can't find, if we just can't find the, 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 the energy to get out of bed, then I mean, yeah, we're yeah. going to become, chronically inflamed and of course we're going to be sick yeah so, uh, i would love to talk about the subject too with you just for a little while and then and then of course yeah i don't want to take too much of your time and then, and then we can kind of close it off yeah that's fine it is a really big topic and it's such a big topic that some people not not many people but there's a, a number of individuals who i studied who they didn't make the nutritional changes and they didn't change their relationship with stress immediately in in some ways but they still got better. And the reason they got better was because of this topic of healing one's beliefs and identity. And so it's a really big topic that has been completely uh, underexplored in the research. And, and so what does it mean to heal your identity and beliefs? It means that you need to start treating yourself with compassion. That means that you need to start viewing yourself with love and with understanding rather than judgment and condemnation. And I think it's just, you know, we all grow up, uh, we have parents that teach us certain things about ourselves. We, uh, we grow up with beliefs, some of which are true, some of which are false. We pick up beliefs, uh, some of which are conscious, some are in, unconscious. And a lot of us end up with beliefs that that cause us to feel like in some ways we're not good enough or that there's something wrong or defective about who we are or something even dirty or bad about who we are. And those kinds of beliefs really do affect our experience of ourselves and the world. And I've come to believe over time that if you have a mixed set of beliefs, some true beliefs, some false beliefs, you're going to have mixed results in your body and your mind and your life. And, and we now know that these kinds of uh, beliefs cause a lot of stress in our system. And, and, uh, and those are associated with creating more chronic inflammation in our bodies. And that leaves us susceptible to more depression, more anxiety, and more physical illnesses. 
So even depression and anxiety are illnesses associated with chronic inflammation. And the truth is, if you have chronic inflammation in your body from any of these causes that we've been talking about, when stress hits, whether it's COVID or breakup of a relationship or something at work not going well, you're going to be that much more susceptible to depression and anxiety because your veins and arteries and your nervous system is already struggling from uh, this load of chronic inflammation. When you when you started talking about, so there's some truths and some faults. Is it, I, I've been studying a lot about uh, el, Dr. Miguel Ruiz and the four agreements, and I love how he talks about el, right. el mitote and how we have thousands of voices contradicting each other. And how in the how are we supposed to live a normal life when our minds are constantly contradicting each other? So we have these truths yeah. and these faults, and what's true and what's false. Yeah, and the only way is yeah. You have to love yourself. You have to be compassionate to yourself and you yes. have to forgive yourself. But that, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds easy, but actually diving deep down and finding that is, 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 um, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But at the same time, it's, it's hard and it's painful. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. And it's, it's, it takes uh, make, making this into a real project to heal these beliefs so that one can experience the value and dignity they bring into the world. Every person brings something of such, such infinite value and goodness into the world. And when we don't know that we suffer. And I find as a psychiatrist that I need to just tell people that they matter sometimes and that they do bring something important and good into the world. Because I think so many of us grow up not knowing that and not knowing that creates such, um, it causes the secretion of, of stress hormones on our inner bodies, such as cortisol, norepinephrine, adrenaline. And we know on the basis of both lab research and clinical research, that when your brilliant immune cells, and when your body is constantly bathed in the stress hormones of not knowing your value, not knowing that you're not alone, that your immune cells will become sluggish, and they will begin to misfire. And, and then eventually what happens is, those brilliant immune cells begin to attack your body instead of the pathogen. And so a massive amount of, of your bodily energy gets diverted into attacking the body instead of recognizing the pathogen and going just after the pathogen. And so people become exhausted much of the time and they're, they have the immune system attacking the body, which ends up creating illnesses because most illnesses are autoimmune, whether it's diabetes or heart disease or cancer or other autoimmune illnesses. And, that, and by definition, autoimmune illness is the body attacking itself, the immune system attacking the body. And so it's under the, under the pressure of these stress hormones that bodies, that immune cells begin to misfire. And so that's another reason why healing our beliefs is so important. When, when the body is being bathed in the cells of being bathed under the influence of chemicals like oxytocin, the love molecule, or dopamine, the pleasure pathway, or serotonin, the antidepressant molecule, our immune cells wake up, they function correctly, they, they attack the pathogen instead of the body itself. And, and so it's just so important that we come to understand the parasympathetic nervous system and the healthy hormones and neurochemicals that heal the body rather than create more disease and that's beautiful i mean that's a great way to end and 
love, compassion, build health. I mean, if we can just love ourselves and make sure that we're, because if we love ourselves, then we're, of course, we're going to start eating more healthy. Of course, we're going to start moving yeah. more. Of course, we're going to be outside more. So if we, yeah. can, do that, if we can do that, those, fir those first important, I mean, that first important, difficult, wonderful, beautiful, sometimes painful work, everything else kind of just falls into place. Yes. You know, and I, and I see all over in time, I, I help people set up selfish bitch projects or selfish projects, because in the early stages, a person thinks it's selfish to take care of themselves. And they think it's selfish to do what's best for their own authentic well-being instead of taking care of the needs of others. And I'm telling you, that is what so many of these ultimate remarkable recoveries hinge on is beginning to realize, oh, wow, I matter. I bring something important in the world. I need to take care of my own body, mind, and spirit and do the things that put a light in my eyes or create well-being. And that feels selfish to people, but it's not. As my friend Gabriel Mate says, if you don't know how to say no, your body will eventually say no for you. And I think that's true. Many of us keep saying yes to taking care of everyone else instead of ourselves. And that's a huge, plays a huge role in the disease and the stress that people carry through their lives. Yeah. And through sickness, our body will say no eventually. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Jeffrey. I mean, it was, again, conversations that are beautiful and and only and when we when we bring the two people together like this i mean it can only that's how it ends so i appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences your knowledge because it not only builds me up but of course it builds up the listeners and that's why we do this and the, and the, the more healthy we are the easier we are the easier it's going to be to change the situation make the situation better for all so i appreciate you coming on again and and any final words where where can the patients get to know you more i mean where, what's the best way for for the listener excuse me patients the listeners to get to know you just a little bit more yeah well and i appreciate the your excellent questions they're just really important questions for us to be thinking about and using to reorient our lives because again every person matters and brings something so important in the world and understanding that can change a lot of things my book is cured uh it's available on amazon or in a lot of bookstores um and my website is www.drjeffreyrediger.com and so uh, anything we can do to help people get a life that really matters and puts a light in light in your eyes that's what that's what matters to us Beautiful. And you're on Instagram too, right? I, I actually I follow you on I follow you on Instagram. That's how I got to know you first. I think that's where I listened to that episode. So where, oh, right. where can they where can they follow you on Instagram? Uh yes. And that is Instagram is Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. Uh, um I need to get on social media a lot more, but <laughs> I need to learn how to do that. So <laughs> We're in the same boat. I'm still learning too. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for coming on and and yeah, it, I just had a great time. Yeah, it's really a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you liked that episode with Jeffrey. I definitely did. I enjoyed so much talking with him. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And finally, before I let you go, this is a grassroots movement. This grows because we get the word out one person at a time. No one's going to talk about this. We have to talk about this. And a great way to get the word out is by leaving a review of the podcast. So my goal is to get 50 before the end of the year, and that means we're about a month and a half, and I haven't got any yet. So if you haven't, leave a review for this podcast. We can continue to move up, and more people can find us, and we can get the word out. 
If you haven't left a review, it's so easy. Just go to iTunes, type in the Wellness Farmer Podcast. At the very bottom, there's a button that, to rate and review the show. It's simple. It takes less than five minutes. If you could do that, I would appreciate that more than anything. Join my email list so you never miss an episode. And you also get a book of mine absolutely free. It's called Earth and Us, Heal Naturally, among other things. Buying my books as gifts for others, if you haven't bought it for yourself yet, is another great way to support and get the word out. Give Playing in the Dirt, The Four Pillars of Health, and a short ebook, Mental, Mental Well-Being Made Simple as Gifts. Now, now we're, we're in that time of the year where we need, we're thinking about this. Um, and even if you're in the States, I'm going to make it even easier for you. Only you listening get this offer. If you buy two or more books from my website to give as gifts using the code GIFT, so use the code GIFT, you'll only have to pay $10 a book. Now talk about a wonderful gift of continuous giving for that price. And finally, join my membership where we go so much more deeper into how we bring the garden and our connection to nature and earth into the forefront of our journey for greater health and well-being. The first 50 members will get an incredibly reduced price and be locked into that price. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Go to www.pastelsverdesfarm.com slash subscription and let's start this journey together.